0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. I am Rick Thomas, and I welcome you to Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to talk about, or I want to give you four reasons to praise God for your imperfections. I want to talk about imperfection and the reason is because well I I trust that it is obvious born in Adam means a lot of things and one of those things means is that we can be quite uncomfortable in our own skin Uh, this Adamic shame that we carry some people struggle with it more than others and, and maybe you are doing very well at this point in your Christian experience and if you are I just praise God for you I'm doing okay Two, to be honest with you, Uh, But there have been seasons in my life, especially in my early Christian life, uh, when I was just coming into Christianity, and my former manner of life had more management over me than my Christian experience because I was such a newborn in Christ. And so we're all over the map as far as our Christian experience is concerned. And so if you don't struggle so much with your imperfection, well, yes, I do genuinely praise God for you and i would like for you to consider uh, those who are around you because you know somebody uh, who does who does struggle now you may not know uh, the depth of their struggle because that's part of the problem is that we tend to put up fig leaves to separate ourselves from the public and and who we know ourselves to be and so we want to build relationally with each other to learn each other to serve each other and as you get deeper into the relationship or as you get further behind the the fig leaves, you begin to be exposed that there are some deep entanglements in some people's soul. And so I would encourage you to pray that God would give you, one, the insight uh, into your friend list. Uh, your circle of friends that you have context you have relationship with them uh, so maybe that you can penetrate these uh, lines of defense that we put up to hide uh, behind because we just don't want to be exposed because we're not comfortable in our own skin and so if the lord gives you that insight then pray for that courage to be able to speak in their lives and maybe you can use what i'm about to share with you as a Resource to help you in the process of serving one or two of your friends again I've titled this four reasons to praise God for your imperfections you can find it at lifeovercoffee.com just type that in the search box let me begin this way by giving you a news flash utopia does not exist on planet earth in fact the word utopia means no place Utopia on earth is like a mirage in the desert. It's like someone attempting to be perfect. That guy doesn't exist either. Uh, Those of you ladies looking to get married, the best you're going to be able to do is to marry an imperfect person. Uh, As I have said often that Everybody comes from the dinged and dented section of the grocery store. There are no perfect people. Now, my goal here is not to rain on anyone's parade. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I don't want to be that, that negative person. But I, I do want to help that we can gain a better perspective on living well in God's world while releasing a few people from pursuing the unrealistic, non-existent, perfect life? Because that is my concern, that there are some people within the Christian community who are truly uncomfortable in their own skin as they stare at their imperfections. They hope to find something a little more perfect than what they are recognizing in the mirror. And so if you are that striving soul, or if you know a striving soul, I have some excellent news for you. God's strength needs imperfection to magnify His fame. And it's also for our good and the benefit for others. This is such a counterintuitive message because our world expands applauds, and it exalts uh, strength and power and fame. That's what they are after, and they cannot, for the life of them, get their minds around the foolishness of God and the weakness of God, jars of clay, thorns in the flesh, and how God uses these things to uh, confound the wise. And so I trust that you always strive to improve. You always seek to be better. You always want to live well in God's world. I am not suggesting passivity. The answer for imperfection is not resignation, and I'm just going to be as lousy and as sorry as I can be. No, that's not the answer. Losing hope ceasing to do our part to love God and love others well. No, we are doers of the word. We are studying to show ourselves approved. We we are soldiers of the cross, and there is a responsibility on our part to live our best life now But we live our best life with the correct information, which means that we must factor imperfection into our plans because no matter what your plans are there will be wrinkles in the pathway there will be wrinkles in the future there is no utopia on planet earth everywhere we look we see signs of imperfection i want to run down just a a quick list that i made up of imperfection and as i share these few things with you these bullet points you may find yourself on this list, too. I mean, for example, I will always have a lower intellectual ceiling than other people. I listen to people sometimes and uh, their word usage, their word smithing, their way of phrasing things, their depth of understanding, the broad swath of knowledge that they have. Some of them sound like Wikipedia. They just know a little bit of everything about everything. And I think, I'm always going to have a lower intellectual ceiling than some of those people. And so without caving into embracing ignorance and pursuing nonsense or lack of intelligence, I have to live with reality uh, that I am not the smartest person in the room. There are imperfections that limit me in specific ways. Another is I struggle with some aspects of, of becoming older. Now, I will say that I I love being old. I love being an old man. I love so much about growing older and being old. I mean, part of it is being closer to heaven. Another part of it is I don't have to be cool anymore. I also don't have to know everything as I did when I was 20 years old. I love being old, but there are aspects of growing older that I don't love so much. Also, as I think about my mortal body, I'm not going to experience sinless perfection in this life. And so I have physical limitations that are growing by the day as I get older. But also from a spiritual perspective, I will not be sinlessly perfect in this life. On my best days, there is a little bit of hypocrisy that resides in me. There's always a gap between who I am and who Christ is. Now, my goal is to shrink that gap. That my hypocrisy doesn't widen and broaden as the years go on. But there will always be a little bit of hypocrisy between who I am and who Christ is. Another on my list is some of my friends are not Christians. And even sadder than that, some of them never shall be. As I think about imperfection, Jesus died on the cross. It was a horrible event. Obviously, I'm looking at that through man-centered eyes, similar to the way Peter and others looked at it on that day. Oh, I understand from a sovereign perspective that this was the grace of God, the mercy of God. Uh, it was the clarion call for all to come and, and see Him lifted up as we're being drawn to Him and, and being saved by Him. But on the ground level, you think about the death of Christ, it was a horrible event. And also, Paul could not get rid of that thorn in his flesh. There was imperfection in his life, and that imperfection was given him by God. God wanted him to be imperfect because it was only through his weakness that God's strength could be perfected. And then the last thing I thought about was an ice cream cone. If I were to drop an ice cream cone on the floor, guess what? It would land upside down. No matter where you go, what you do, imperfection is all around us. Think about men and women for just a moment. Let's start with women, what women want. Think about a woman's fear of becoming older, similar to me, or about a a woman's desire to become more significant or her anxiousness about being less attractive, whatever that means. The fear of aging is a big deal for some women as they labor under the burden of the culture's propagated view of physicality and sexuality. The world's worldview tempts some women to overthink sexuality and beauty. Their thoughts change from overeating to undereating to shopping, to exercising, physical alterations. I mean, you name it. And I think if you build a relationship with some of these women and, and got close to them to try to help them to examine what's going on in their heart and their heart motivations, you would find some of the familiar foes, things that you are acquainted with like envy, jealousy, comparisons, judging, bitterness, anger discontentment, depression, shame, cynicism, fear, worry, anxiety. I mean there is just a word cloud there that are attracted to women who are not uh, comfortable in their own skin as they compare themselves with others and, and this idea of imperfection does not sit well with them. Though some women may appear to be free and empowered, that is the hope of feminists everywhere. They are in reality culturally enslaved people because they've given themselves up to be managed by what the culture determines as as powerful or beautiful or perfected. Internal pressures bind their souls while transforming their bodies into objects that represent how they want others to perceive them. Whatever they believe is the expected way to be is the goal that they seek to become many women are just like this and this kind of soul discontentment leaves them frustrated and fearful they never capture the elusive beauty character though they always craved it while the beauty of christ just seems to grow as a faint echo of christian tradition it's a horrible way for any christian woman to live can't wrestle with this idea of imperfection, can't see it as a mercy from God, can't understand it as how God's strength is perfected in their imperfection. And guess what? Men are no different. Many of us men are we are we we're lives that are struggling and, and frustrated because we just don't like. What we are because we tie our reputations to the culture's view of success. We want bigger. We want better. And just like a woman gazing over the beauty competition, we measure ourselves by our ability to look good in front of others, coming up short, missing the mark. That's not an option for culturally enslaved men. This lie from the devil has been placed deep in our hearts. He was the one who first said that God is not enough. And Adam and Eve submitted to his dastardly doctrine, and the rest of us fell in line with the deception. Now, my objective here is not to talk men or women out of physical beauty or material blessings or marital bliss. I I don't want to go extreme here, but the primary goal is for you and me to see how the human condition will always fall short of perfection, no matter how hard we try. Nearly all counseling sessions and counselees, those things happen because somebody does not measure up. There is this undercurrent of dissatisfaction with something about themselves or something about a relationship that somehow connects to them. The counselee is unwilling, or maybe the counselee just does not know how to live imperfectly with imperfect people. And again, I'm not suggesting that they should not change, but there is a sweet spot between two extremes, a sweet spot of contentment. You'll find it somewhere between striving for perfection, which is too far out there that way, And then a person who's just disinterested in changing, that's too far out there that way. Somewhere in the middle of a person who has given up and a person who won't give up striving for perfection is the sweet spot of contentment. No matter where we turn, people are frustrated. The only thing that will make them happy is if their circumstances change to get what they want. If discontentment is not with ourselves, then, well, it's with other people. When not getting what we desire, and here's the test, it tempts us to sin, then we have an idol in our lives. And again, I'm not suggesting passivity. We must always work out what God is working into us, but we do this with the peace of God ruling our hearts. And that's actually the litmus test. If you're living your day-to-day existence and the peace of God is not ruling your heart, and I'm talking about in an episodic way, I'm talking about being characterized that way. There'll be ups and downs and inconsistencies and disappointments along the way, but our general characterization should be that the peace of God is ruling our hearts, that is contentment. We are living well with the imperfections that are in our life, lives, the thorns and thistles, they are there, we acknowledge them, but they are not managing us. Perhaps thinking through this sentence, I wanna give you a, a fill in the blank sentence and maybe that would provide the best analysis a person needs to see who or what has rulership over their heart. And so I wanna lay out this fill in the blank statement and whatever you place in the blank, other than the Lord, is idolatry. And I'm coming right from the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verse number 3, Moses said, you shall put no other, or he's quoting God, you shall put no other gods before me. And so anything else other than the Lord in this blank means there is idolatry operative in your life. And so here's the statement. I could be satisfied if... Now, the only right answer to that statement is some version of, I can be satisfied if God is supreme in my life. And if God is supreme in your life, then you are satisfied. But if you plug anything else into that blank, I could be satisfied if I had more money. I could be satisfied if my physical health was different. I could be satisfied if I looked different or was associated different or had a different job or went to a better church or et cetera. Anything in that blank other than God, uh, then that is idolatry. And so as you ponder that statement, I want to share six people with you. These are fictional, bulleted uh, scenarios of individuals, and I want to share them because their struggle, though it's fictional, is common to all of us. Do you see what has rulership over their hearts as you listen to this list? And perhaps thinking through a few other scenarios would help to capture the practical essence of of our hearts as we can succumb to temptation so easily. So here's scenario number one. A teenage girl senses discontentment by the gnawing fear that eats at her. And for parents, I would just, let me make this observation that if you've given your teenagers access to social media, if you've given your children a phone, then you're facilitating a lot of the fear and discontentment that teenagers find because they go through these portals on social media and the algorithms are set up to evangelize them and to feed that discontentment. And we see that the suicide rate is up, the self-harming cutting rate is up, Narcissism is at an all-time high as we continue to imbibe ourselves in the social media around us. It's not helping us. As this illustration points out, a teenage girl senses discontentment by the gnawing fear that eats at her and is self sabotage as she continues to imbibe on social media, feeding this insecurity and discontentment that, that grows in her soul. Illustration number two, a wife is frustrated because her husband is not a good protector or lover. Now, as you listen to this illustration, I'm not justifying the husband for not being a good protector or not being a good lover. No, that's wrong, and that needs to be taken care of. But again, whatever our circumstances are, wherever we find ourselves, we want to cry as Joseph did, ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There is imperfection in our life, and even though it's not fair, maybe there's something that we can do about it. Whatever that process is, during the process, we cannot be managed by the imperfection in our life. Illustration number three, a husband is angry because his wife has changed from the person that he married. Number four, a friend is bothered because someone is a pain in their rear end. Number five, a church member is annoyed because the church is not doing a better job caring for folks. And then finally, number six, an employee is dissatisfied because he's not climbing the corporate ladder fast enough or at all. And so as you think about this list, I'm sure you could add an imperfect scenario in your life. And it goes back to the same statement that I made earlier. I can be satisfied if... And if we put anything other than God ruling our hearts on that line or some version of that, uh, then we have an idol in our life. The things that manage us characterize our general attitude and our disposition during any given day, bringing us to the all-important question, what controls you? Who or what has the most power over you? Does the Lord control your mind and emotions? What is the thing that tempts you to take your thoughts away from the stabilizing influence of the Lord? The most effective way to answer these questions is by how we respond when we do not get what we want. And so as we return to the six friends that I just outlined for you, I want to ask four obvious questions that we would want to ask them if we had a relationship with them, had an opportunity to talk to them, and had a context where we can care... Uh, for them. Now maybe these questions would apply with you if you're struggling with the imperfection of something that's happening in your life. The question is to our six friends, what controls you? Number two, where do you find your identity? Is your identity in Christ or is your identity in a a situation that is more palatable to what you desire? Question three. What gives you your primary satisfaction, which is right out of the question or the statement that I made uh, earlier with the fill in the blank. And then finally, number four, when you feel empty, how do you seek to be refilled? Refilled by God's goodness, His affection for you, the love that He has for you, or filling yourself up through cisterns uh, that do not hold water, as we learn in Jeremiah did you know there is a counterintuitive question, a better one that we could ask? What if we turned our imperfection on its head? And rather than trying to solve the problem of imperfection by changing ourselves, changing our friends, changing our circumstances, what if we saw, <clears throat> excuse me, what if we saw our imperfections as a means of the grace of God to use in our lives? Could the Lord want imperfection in our lives for our good and for His glory? Well, we find a clear example of that as I've already mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through Paul's temptation was to think too highly of himself. The Lord knew this. And so God gave Paul a gift. It was a thorn in the flesh to harass his chosen servant. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 7. So, to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. God gave this imperfection to help Paul because he loved Paul. And he wanted Paul to become all that Paul could be through Christ's strength rather than his own. Even though he had all these revelations, even though he had a high ceiling of intellect, that actually became a trap for Paul. And so in God's mercy to Paul, he gave him a thorn to bring him down to where the rest of us live in our imperfection. So that Paul could experience weakness and learn the secret of life. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes the harassment you feel in your life is from your loving Lord. He is harassing you to help you to rely on Him rather than yourself. He gives you an imperfect life for His glory and your good. Paul did not readily embrace his imperfect life, and I'm glad that he didn't because I wouldn't feel so awful when my imperfect life rolls around and I pray three times, dear God, take this away from me. It's okay to pray that way. But at some point, we've got to figure it out. And Paul figured out that he could do more with a thorn than without one. Now, what about you? Now, I'm not saying that you should resign to an imperfect life challenge, especially if the thing that you desire is a biblical desire. Maybe you should run down that road just a little bit. But what I am saying is that your circumstance may not change. And if your circumstances do not change, then you have to guard your heart against responding sinfully to those unchanging conditions. Suppose that you regularly sin because your life, your associations, your situations are not changing according to your expectations. In that case, idolatry has captured you. Sinful responses will not force or manipulate the hand of God. Sinful reactions will actually attract the opposing power of God In our lives. The Lord will not partner with us in our sin if our motives, our attitudes, and our actions are not godly. What if the Lord could use sin sinlessly in your life? You know, the way he used sin sinlessly in Joseph's life. Or in Paul's life, as I've illustrated. Or the way that he used sin sinlessly in the life of his son. What if the Lord never wants to remove what you believe to be imperfect, to be wrong, to be unfair? What if the Lord was the author of your imperfection because He knows it is for your good? The thorn is there to harass you from the loving hand of God. I can think of at least four reasons that God would do this for any of us. I've titled this Four Reasons to Praise God for Our Imperfections. Number one, imperfection exists. I'm not going to belabor the point because it is a fact. We will never attain perfection in this life. We're fallen individuals who live in a fallen world with other fallen people. There is an imperfect ceiling and we live under it. The Lord has set the bounds of our lives just like any good and loving parent would set the limits to their child's life. It is, it is one of the early and essential lessons for any child. It could sound like this. Son, you are not omnipotent. You are not omniscient. You are not omnipresent. You work within limits. God has made you a certain way and the sooner You figure out what way that is and become copacetic with that way. The better off you will be. Dad. Point number one, four reasons to praise God for your imperfection. Number one. Imperfection exists. Number two, imperfection reminds. Paul needed reminding that he was not God. The Lord had blessed him with many revelations, which became a temptation source for Paul. It was not suitable for him to live in a frictionless world. Like all our strengths, they can quickly become liabilities if we do not regularly humble ourselves before the gift giver. We are no different than Nebuchadnezzar who lost sight of what he had, thinking the world revolved around him. Imperfection should remind us who we are and who God is. Number three, imperfection drives. If we understand our faults rightly, we will see them as vehicles to get to God rather than hindrances to a better life. Typically, the things perceived as wrong will move us in one or two directions. We will experience imperfection and turn to the Lord, or we will experience imperfection and turn to self-reliant means to resolve the imperfection. Our imperfection should humble us while driving us to the Lord. Since Genesis 3, humanity possesses a two-option system. We turn toward God, or we move toward destructive choices. The third reason to praise God for our imperfection is that imperfection drives. And then finally imperfection permits number four the beauty of our imperfection is they permit us to find God and enjoy him while finding strength through him this perspective is vital when thinking about the wrong things in our lives it explains why Paul repented of his complaining while embracing his imperfection he learned the secret to his best life now it was through perfection It was not through perfection, rather, but it was through imperfection. Four reasons to praise God for your imperfections. Paul said it this way when he was talking to the Philippians. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The wise person can live in an imperfect world. This person is constantly striving toward Christ while understanding some of the means to enjoy Christ may come through personal weakness and disappointment. The wise person does not give up on pursuing excellence, but the things that are not his at this moment do not manage him. The wise person has learned the wisdom of Paul. Think about the next major decision that you want to make. Maybe it's not a big decision, but you must decide so that you can move forward. And this is how I want to wrap up here, and this is how I want to apply what I just shared with you. And so here's the point. As you decide to go forward, and whatever decision that is, it will be there will be imperfection in your path forward. There's no such thing as a perfect decision where there will be no wrinkles whatsoever as you step out on that path. And so as you think about a decision that maybe you have just made, or a decision that you are about to make, this is the unique application that I want to make. Here are some questions for you. How does striving for comfort or control impact that decision? Number two, how does your fear of not getting what you desire influenced in the decision that you need to make. And then number three, now that you know there are no perfect choices, can you rest rather than fret about what you must do? And then finally, question number four, when you make your pro and con list, consider how the Lord's fame could spread by not getting what you want. Four Reasons to Praise God for Your Imperfection. You can find it over here at lifeovercoffee.com. You can read it, watch it, you can listen to it. If you get the article, there's a print button at the bottom of it scroll down that print button. You can print it off into a PDF. You can delete all the photos in there and just have the written text. You can share it with a friend, make a great small group discussion. Some people put our articles in three ring binders. Praise God for that. You can use them as homework assignments as well, whether it's a printed copy or just give them the link and allow them to go to our coffee shop where they can read it. And let us serve you in your discipleship endeavors by using our content as as companions to what you're doing as you're discipling others. Four reasons to praise God for your imperfections. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.